0: welcome back to another episode of pro tri news we are not your typical podcast we have a wide range of hosts with varying opinions connections and knowledge about triathlons we're going to unpack the racing that happened this last weekend as well as look to the racing for the next weekend to come as well as all the news in between and drama i'm kyle glass your host editor-in-chief joined today by our head rules expert and englishman mark matthews
1: hey guys how you doing the
0: chef and cone hater, Patrick Lemieux.
2: I got a meme.
0: They made a meme about me. They made a meme about me. <laughs> our best content creator, Novel Land Talbot Cox. Outside of Kenny Withrow. And our favorite draft legal expert, Chelsea Burns.
3: Thank you for having me back.
0: We missed you deeply. I Chelsea. know. Well, we can get right into Ironman Finland results from this last weekend. Laura Phillip, uh, impressive 252 marathon off the bike after her uh, coming back for her injury. Looks to be on amazing form. Second place, Jocelyn McCauley, uh, off the back of 70.3 Boulder. is very impressive result after also um, coming back from having a child. So uh, I do want to apologize to Jocelyn because we didn't mention her on the podcast last week. Because, uh, to be honest, we... Didn't see the 70.3 result, and then we saw her name on the list, and I was like, I don't know if she's going to make the trip all the way to Finland from Boulder on the back of 70.3, and then she goes and gets second place. So hats off to her for that. Uh, Third place, Imogen Simmons, taking the last of the Kona slots. So the Kona slots went one, two, three for the women.
1: What do we think? I mean, Laura Phillips not raced. She's been injured for a long time.
4: Three, has only done three Ironmans and all three of them sub eight hours. Pretty impressive. Nine, sub nine. I mean, sub nine. Yeah,
1: are. I mean, yeah, Cap did that in her first three. But we watched Laura Phillip run that 252 on that course and there is just no way. I mean, that was incredible. I think maybe only Ann Howe could stand up and realistically say she could run that fast. Uh, that course was not flat it was not fast a lot of it was off-road it was windy it was rainy maybe Anne Howe could run that fast there's there's no one else in the world at the moment that can run like that and she's coming off the back of a long-term injury she did most of the work on the bike herself I thought Laura Phillip was world-class I um <clears throat> you know Mark I had to I've been pr- priming
2: for our Kona episode um and obviously I think Cats is a is an absolute threat for the win and certainly the podium. Um Laura Phillip has made that same statement after this weekend, I would say.
1: Yeah, I agree. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. So I think um there's just I mean, you know, there's no what can you say? She ran a two fifty two and biked really solid, and 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 frankly, I think she swam much better than I thought she was gonna. So I completely
1: um, agree. I didn't see her getting out the swim with Imogen Simmons it was just like
2: you kind of look at it and you go like on unreal. So hopefully she, hopefully she held some back. She didn't go too deep that last 10 K on the run. Um, You know, she had 20 minutes. Hopefully she doesn't regret that she didn't, she could have used more of it, right? She could have, she could have really slowed down the last 10 K if she wanted. Um, That I would see is the only place where she may be screwed up a little bit in thinking about it is now we're getting down to crunch time, right? We're less than 10 weeks away till Kona. Um that's the only critique I have. Yeah. She went too hard. I guess that's though, it.
1: The, I guess the critique more lies in the fact that because of the injury she had to race this late to stamp this slot because as you know, like backing off the pace in the last ten K is, is kind of doesn't really do that much. You know, you've got to run those ten K anyway. The fatigue and the weight on the legs is, is gonna break you. I I get what you mean. Like, did she even need to run a two fifty two from the first twenty K? You know, her first ten K was Ridiculous! She was on like two forty pace. It was it was madness. So, uh, yeah, I guess it's not a criticism of her. It's it's the worry that can she bounce back in two months to because she has to repeat that performance at that level in two months' time. It's not like she can go a little bit a little bit worse than that. She needs to do that and probably better. But I I think it was awesome. It was great to see Imogen Simmons come back from injuries and some slight problems because you know she's podiumed at the 70.3 worlds she's a great athlete super biker um but Jocelyn McCauley to run her down to take second five months after giving birth on that sort of field these women coming back from pregnancies and giving birth at the moment you know a lot of them did a bout of it during COVID so we had a lot of women giving birth early in this year it seems to be five months as a turnaround and you're good to go again when did that happen in the sport it's amazing Crazy, crazy. Let's 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 dive
4: into Montreal. Chelsea, take us through it.
3: Um, yeah, it was uh, a unique format, which I'm sure we will discuss. I think that we saw a lot of um, opinions of both athletes and non-athletes about whether this type of format should be included in the series because it is very different. And I think favors a different athlete, maybe, and uh, does different training. But I mean. We saw our Olympic champion take this format, too, in the women's race, um, and so I don't know what we all think about whether or not this should be a race that counts for points towards the overall, um, but yeah, in terms of the race, I think the star of the show who deserves a ton of credit, and I think we've started talking about her quite a bit, and we'll continue to talk about her quite a bit, was Taylor Nib. She literally made the race. She... Um, yeah, she was just amazing, and I think to watch how she towed the breakaway around in the final round, didn't even ask for a poll and um, was able to back it up with a pretty impressive run off of it, just kind of showed how talented she is, and um, kind of, I think, a lot, yeah, just showed what is to come from her. So, um, yeah, I guess I didn't really talk too much about a race debrief. Do you want to do you want to go through the race a bit more in terms of results? <laughs> I like the I analysis mean, more here.
0: Yeah, I, I think that we can kind of get away from it. I mean, women, it was Floor Duffy, Taylor Nib, Taylor Spivey. But, yeah, hats off to Taylor Nibb for off the back of a 70.3 boulder as well. Uh, an incredible performance there. And then to be able to basically pull everyone for all three rounds yesterday of... Um, I love Flora Duffy's tweet.
1: Incredible. Did you see Flora Duffy tweeted? She said, um, if you wonder how Taylor Nib can win the bike on a seventy point three on a road bike with clip-ons, this is how and the quote was the girls got watts for days, which I loved.
4: <laughs> I've got that's amazing.
2: I've got three points from yesterday and, and surprisingly none of them are about cones yet. We'll get to that later. Um <laughs> But I think the biggest things are, you know, did we did we like this format? Um, and what what do we think about the championship style? So I think of, I really enjoyed this format. I was quite skeptical of it beforehand. And and I ended up watching uh, the entire women's race. So the only tweak that I thought they could make to it for every, for each race that happens, right? So when they're racing for top 30, the top 25, jog it in. And then the top 10, jog it in. It's a, you know, down, down the rock, down the road. Um, What they need to adopt here is what World Cup Mountain Biking did, where for Friday night, everyone races the short track and the first eight in mountain biking, they could do the first 10 in this case. That's your call up then for the next race down. So if you finish in that first of 30, you want to finish first 10 because then you're going to pick first 10 in the pontoon draw for the next race down and then the next race down. So I thought the only thing that I didn't like for TV is to see the first, you know, 10 or 20, depending on what race, really slow down and then just kind of jog it in. I want to see people sprinting to the line in every single race. And I think the way that you could lure that is with pontoon draws for the next one.
3: I think they did do that, though. Didn't they have, if you were, I mean, at least based on your ranking of the previous races, you got to select your pontoon place based on how you came across? Did that not happen? I think it did. Just the.
0: I think it was just for the first race.
3: Okay. I think, though, too, it's kind of fun to see people jog across and have the luxury of being able to do that when they ride really hard. Like you saw Taylor Nib just from the first race, bike hard and get to run slow, whereas those people who missed the group, they had to sprint it at the end and try and get that ninth and tenth spot. So I think it is, yeah. I don't know.
2: I could I could admit to being wrong on my point. I just think that it... it, it could make the broadcast look a little bit better if people are sprinting for all the places. Yeah. Then I think when we, or at least do some
0: sort of preems or something maybe.
2: Yeah. And then when I think when we go to talking about for this format in particular, should this be part of the world championship series? Um, why not just award it three
3: quarter points?
1: That's
3: a good point. I think. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. You cut out a bit there. Um, no, I I think that you could definitely argue that the points maybe should be a bit adjusted for this type of format because I don't know it is very different and I, I think it was an interesting timing for that race too to have it two weeks after the Olympics. I mean, you saw a total mix of people who were coming off of highs and lows, whether it was not getting to go to the Olympics or I'll
2: give I'll give World Triathlon the benefit of the doubt. They had to kind of treat this like a like a big race to get as many people there as possible. So. Fair enough there, but I think what they may need to think about going forward, right, is, and and this is this is a way potentially to get some World Cups to turn into WTSs as well. It's is to say, okay, for Olympic distance, we're going to award one hundred percent championship points. For sprint distances, we're going to award eighty percent championship points, and for real these super sprint style races, we're going to go down to sixty percent. You know, might might be a pathway.
3: Yeah, I think it kind of shows maybe what world triathlon is interested in moving towards though whether it is a vision for paris or la that they make the uh the showcase race rather than have it the olympic distance it's a sprint or a super sprint and i think starting to sprinkle these in a series suggests that maybe that is the vision to eventually move toward that and maybe they don't want to diminish the value of um from 100 to 60% type of thing. So I, I think that we might start to see a movement toward shifting. Yes, Pat, please.
2: I got my hand up. I got two last points. Um, One, I thought that Taylor Spivey was fantastic this weekend. Uh, I I, I don't think we can she, – she raced fantastic. She never missed any of those splits when Taylor was thrown down. That was just a takeaway I had. And then – um, finally was just one thing that I learned in house is that, uh, Gwen watched quite a bit of the race, uh, the women's race and just said, she goes, you know, I would really enjoy this super sprint format. So I thought that was, uh, something notable from the weekend as well.
3: Yeah, no, I agree with both of those. Um, something to add to after talking to a few of them yesterday, after the round of three, it sounded like the athletes were pretty disappointed in the course that Montreal offered them up yesterday. It sounded like the bike course was atrocious in terms of road quality. And I know Montreal, the city is pretty, yeah, it's pretty known for being a, um, a not well-kept pavement, but beyond that, they, I'm sure if you watch, you notice this, but they ran out of that 300 meter swim for 350 meters. So they actually ran a transition that was longer than the swim and once is like, okay to do that. But if you think about running barefoot for 350 meters, over four or five different races, that's massive. I mean, I think that uh the injury or just kind of uh stubbing your toe curve. Sure. Yeah, that's that's a lot and I think that there was a lot of criticism to the race organizers for creating a course that forced them to do that. And that combined with the road quality I think was um hard.
1: I, I, yeah, I just thought another obvious thing is if you, in the first race on the Friday, if you don't finish that race for injury, you absolutely should not be allowed to start the repercharge because otherwise the obvious and easy, so one of the Italian girls had a, had a slight injury and she was allowed to start the repercharge, so she didn't go through on the automatic 10 and then she was allowed to start that other race. Otherwise, the absolute easiest thing to do is to dive off the pontoon in the first race and go cramp and then get out and accept you're not going through to the first 10 because then you have to only race the reprochage where the top twenty people are already out. So then you only have to finish in the top top what is it, three quarters of a race when all the best people aren't out anyway. So if you'd game if you like game theoried that and did a bit of you know negative game sportsmanship, whatever, you'd just dive off the pontoon, grab a calf, sit out and race the race in the afternoon and go through. You definitely have to finish the first race in the morning if you're gonna be able to race the reprochage, surely.
3: Uh, I agree. (laughs) I think that they're probably making that rule to uh, simplify awarding points because, I mean, points go pretty deep in a World Series, and so does prize money. I mean, the 20th person will be earning money, but that 20th person is only barely even making the second round. So there is the need to yeah put points down to 30 and beyond because, I mean, a World Series payout in the overall bonus – Structure goes to like 35 people. Two hands up here. Kyle.
0: I was just going to say, Mark and I debated yesterday. We were texting back and forth, and I don't know if Mark was a super big fan of the race format. Do you want to hit on that a little bit more, Mark?
1: Um, I just thought that, so as a non diehard ITU fan, as I know Chelsea and Pat are, I just felt that the first, the races just seemed boring to me until the final. Because It was obvious who was going to go through. And the names that didn't go through didn't become exciting until Saturday. So most of us had never heard of anyone that got knocked out on Friday. So what's the point from a fan point of view? So just as a layman of the ITU world, sorry, World Series world, that was my thoughts on viewing it.
3: Pat had his hand up too.
2: Mark, I will agree with you. And then I want to roll over into, I I mean, I think what you and I spoke quite a bit about and felt, you know, very vindicated on yesterday was the motorcycles. And we saw, we saw Vincent Louis absolutely, um, I mean, visibly very upset with what was happening, uh, in, in round two. And I believe it was lap two of, of his race. Um, I guess Mark, can you just touch on it? You know, I've, yeah. I've I've drilled them on this, but maybe maybe you can elaborate on it. So well, try.
0: We could say men's results real quick as well. Oh, so cool. men's results, the all three French took one, two, three. Dorian Conix first, Vincent Louis second, and Leo Bergero's third. And
1: they were they were brilliant. They masterclassed that. That was a superb performance from the French. Unbelievably good. The motorbike incident came actually because World Triathlon have been so quick to react. They saw the issue in the women's race in the Olympics and they've offered direction. And the direction was clear that the motorbikes waited till the group went out and they filmed from behind. What they hadn't quite clarified was if a front group goes, bikes were then pulling out. But they hadn't clarified how big a gap needed to be for a bike to pull out. So the front group of, let's say, 10 went. And the bikes have been told to sit behind. Brilliant, World Triathlon done something about it. The bikes pulled out. The problem was the second group were hot on the heels of these bikes. And then that meant that the second group were able to use the motorbikes behind the first group to bridge across. And uh, Vincent Louis was angry about this. He wanted them gone to make the chase onto the front group much harder. As soon as he signified this, World Triathlon clearly spoke to their motorbike riders. And in the next race, it didn't happen. So it's great to see World Triathlon quickly... Uh, getting on top of it. However, it took Vincent Louis going ballistic at the motorbikes to make this change. And it's really good to see World Triathlon are able to make these changes that Ironman and uh, PTO, etc. are not able to make.
3: Do you think so, he's uh, ever gone ballistic when they were pulling him along? As oh, he's God, probably man. been in the front group
2: 100,000 times. Nor, Nor, you know, was I, I mean, it was Vincent who got the drafting penalty in Daytona as, as well. So, um, he can use use it to his time. I, I think. Look, I think. This this I just go back to is currently, and this was the same problem in in Montreal. Um, World Triathlon had given me direction that they were, that they were using single lane courses to have emergency vehicles be able to be on the course, as well as having the race go on as well. So what was happening yesterday was we had two two-direction course split only by cones. Um, And I think they've got to to make this really easy. They've got to just use the full roads and they can't be doing this two-way traffic business anymore, separated only by cones. And I sent out a video internally yesterday from 2016 in Cozumel to show what happens if you only have cones separating a roadway. So, i will be done speaking about it i appreciate the memes i appreciate all the love that i've been getting on social for it and and i will as because this is an issue ultimately of safety um it i won't let down
4: all right let's move on to iron man frankfurt mark tell us about the race you watched it all day while we slept
1: i did i did watch it all day um it was a much bigger swim group than you would normally see. There weren't any of the Uber swimmers there. There weren't the Daniel Backer guards. There weren't those guys. So Patrick Nielsen ended up leading out the swim um, with quite a big group. And uh, they cracked onto the bike. And um, Peter Heemrich got himself a big gap and went ballistic for the first lap. Now, this is why we were insinuating that Iron Man aren't sorting out motorbikes. The lead group of eight people had 12 motorbikes with them. So what that meant was that actually the front person of that group wasn't getting a hand, so they didn't get towed along by the motorbikes. But it meant everyone sat in. It was super, super easy. So no one would then sit on the front of the group. So we had this like sedentary group going around. Um, But then Christian Hogan Hart went astronomical. Now, he's one of the fastest cyclists in world triathlon. He's... Incredible. And he put eight minutes into the group in the last 50K, which is, I mean, completely ridiculous. And then he bled his lead. um, And he could run his own pace. It was awesome. And in the end, it ends up being Patrick Nielsen caught him. Patrick Nielsen has DNF'd in his last four Ironman races. And he comes back from that to win the European Champs in Frankfurt with a 2.39 run in hot conditions. Amazing. Hogan held, held on for second. David McNamee took third place. And importantly, Peter Hemberg took fourth because that was the last of the Kona slots. What happened to the Norwegian Storns? I hear you asking, and not Corns, as I called him on a podcast, and we now referred to in my family as Corns because I got it wrong and Cat won't let me live it down. Storns dropped out um, at about thirty k, having run out with Patrick Nielsen. They went through five k in like sub two thirty marathon pace, ludicrous. And uh, Storns blurs completely blew to pieces he had gut issues he had hamstring issues and uh, we didn't see him again does that mean Christian Blumenfeld's thinking shit this Ironman stuff's not actually that easy I hope so but his ego probably won't let him believe that awesome race Patrick Nielsen back in the big time um 239 big up to yourself BMC team first and second
4: yeah hats off to Patrick I mean we I, I even myself said earlier in the podcast a couple of weeks ago that he has been off all year and and he has been i mean a years, 15th mate. place against uh, a 15th place against and I, correct me if i'm wrong a not good field at all a challenge uh cancun there was no one oh, there other than was, well there was some people there no he was he, he, he was and not. And he'll, he'll he'll even tell you himself he's been off I, i've chatted with him back and forth it's been rough on him he has two kids at home with his wife they uh it's hard for him to travel over here to get to Ironman's rough go at Ironman Lanzarote just like you said had the double puncture at Tulsa it has been completely off. So hats off to him. Pulled out at the uh, end. W- one note on here was he was 33 seconds off Jan Ferdino's course record. Uh Jan Ferdino set it on a very hot day. This was another very hot day. Um so hats off uh we will see all three of them in Kona and, and congratulations to Peter Heinrich as well because he had some good results in the past but he's kind of been down um for a little bit and so he's he's on his way back up so hats off to him
1: yeah great race uh,
0: let, let, let's roll uh, real quick into escaped Alcatraz this weekend Kyle Escape Alcatraz happened this morning, uh, Ben Canute, first place, largest margin of victory in the history of this race, also. Normally this race is separated by about less than a minute on the men's field, and uh, Ben won by up over two minutes over Jason West and third place, Bradley Weiss. The women's race, Emma Pallant-Brown uh, chased down Holly Lawrence in the la- closing couple miles, uh, and third place, Jackie Hearing. The thing is that we want to probably discuss is maybe Ben Canute might be... This might be his new home because he's also has taken Andy Potts' record of now having four in a row at uh, this race. His home is just yeah.
3: this one race.
0: Kyle is a
4: big believer in this Olympic distance non-draft format. I don't think it's ever really been successful as much. High V was a hit, but no one really cared. I just... At this point, it kind of goes like, to me, there's the Reb series, there's Iron Man, there's Challenge, there's Clash, there's World Trial. I mean, how many more series can we add? I don't know. I think that's the one that's always failed the most, but I could be wrong. Ben is extremely dominant at it, but have we just not seen other athletes specialize in it? And don't get me wrong, Ben's an incredible athlete. One of the best short course, well, iron 70.3 distance athletes in America. So
1: I mean, it's quite yeah. the sport sort of second came from isn't it it was Ironman yeah and then it was non-drafting Olympic distance roughly and then the Olympic format came about and now World Triathlon want us to have a four minute race at the Olympics it's just gradually got faster and faster and shorter and shorter so yeah Carl wants us to take a step backwards and relax a little bit I like it
0: <laughs> I just want to see some people doing some Bikes that aren't on a road bike doing non draft races that are Olympic distance. Emma Pallant. I think it's fun to watch people. Yeah, Emma
1: Pallant was great here today, though. I mean, running down Holly Lawrence is no mean feat. Uh, How many times has she raced this year? She's looking super hot.
4: And she has been incredible. Uh, She did have a recent uh, change of coaches. Uh, She changed from Michelle Dillon to uh, Tim Don, and they've been working very closely. She also has an incredible training partner a.k.a. her husband, Jared Brown, who's probably really pushing her as well. So I think she pushes him. Uh, I would him definitely goodness. say...
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Uh, probably really. Hey, but true. Jared did do the Leadville 100 this weekend, so props to him for that. Um, so I, I would
4: say Emma Pallant is definitely a uh, favorite for 70.3 Worlds. So
0: Also be interesting to see who she draws being a wild card for the Collins Cup. Yeah.
1: True. Kat, so, said, Kat okay, said today, because um, obviously they're both in the European team, Kat said, I'm glad I don't have to race her at the Collins Cup.
4: <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's roll into Ironman. We got Man. races this weekend. Yeah, races. I mean, Ironman Copenhagen. Let's go. Ironman Copenhagen. Uh, I don't think a lot of athletes are racing. I think every athlete has already punched their ticket to Kona. There's not a lot of, uh, I would say every race favorite is on the start line except one person who has yet since 2017 to prove that he can do a good Ironman. And that's Lionel. So I think that he needs to punch his ticket this weekend. There is uh, three slots available. This is the last three slots. This is the last chance. Um, Pretty much everyone on this start list was also on the Frankfurt start list. You saw a lot of them racing. So It could be Lionel, the only one racking his bike in transition, uh, racing himself for a slot. I don't see anyone else racing.
3: Talbot, have you been to Copenhagen before?
4: I have never been to Copenhagen, but I fly out on Friday. I am extremely excited.
3: I spent four months there once. It's so cool.
4: Uh, Hey, you're going to have to tell me where to go eat.
3: Okay, I'll try and remember.
1: You'll, you'll love
4: it. Mark, what do you have to say? So I think
1: you'll see some desperation. I think you'll see some people that race Copenhagen. I think they'll turn up, sorry, that race Frankfurt, they'll turn up in Copenhagen and desperately try and punch a ticket. I, I do think you'll see some do that. And this is an unpopular view. Um, and just please bear in mind when my heart is in the sport, and that's the women's side of the sport. I'm a huge women's triathlon fan. But today watching Frankfurt made me realise how much harder it is for a pro man to qualify for Kona than it is a pro female. Um, because you have pro-females races like Ironman UK where you just had to finish as a pro-female and you stamp your slot. You have... Just because there's not the strength and depth of the sport and we must keep it open and equal to try and encourage that strength and depth, of course. But you get women qualifying finishing an hour behind the leader regularly. Whereas today you had... uh, The German athlete, Franz Lilschek, you had Maurice Cavell, who's an incredible athlete, finishing both within 10 minutes of first place at the European Championships, and neither of them are still qualified for Kona. So you've got some really big-name, incredible athletes out there on the men's side that still haven't punched a ticket. So I think you'll get them go across in desperation to Copenhagen.
4: Um, Also rolling into 70.3, Timberman this weekend. Um, you have Heather Jackson racing, uh, Jeannie Metzler, uh, also Miranda Carfrey. uh, after having baby Finn will be making her return. Lindsay Corbin, uh, and just a really stacked field. Uh, the women's race will be a fantastic race there. Uh, that, that's an awesome venue as well. Uh, going to be pretty warm. So looking forward to that one as well. Also want to touch on Heather Jackson, uh, Chelsea, did you have a chance to chat with Heather this weekend in Bend?
3: No, I didn't even see her. She was, uh, I think she's hauled up at her sister's house, but didn't even, yeah, didn't catch a glimpse of her. Uh, we'll,
4: we'll, we'll we'll, chat more about her on the hot takes at the end, but there is something interesting about uh, this the, race? The, the Collins Cup in this race. So um, let's roll on to the grand final. Chelsea, who's going to win it?
3: Uh, Who can beat Flora? Should we put all put more money down on Flora Duffy? I don't think I I, I don't think anyone's going to beat her for the world title. She's now leading the series after beasting the super sprint format, and I don't think she's going to be easy to beat beat over the Olympic distance. Um, but yeah, I mean the grand final in Olympic year is always kind of interesting. I think we'll be missing some bigger. People who might be there in a normal year with a full series and less focus on an Olympic Games. I mean, I think most of the top British won't be there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I'm looking forward to watching Taylor Nib once again. I think Maya Kingma will be back. Uh, Spivey will be hunting. I think she may be second in the series now and obviously had a really good day yesterday in Montreal and I think is poised to do really well in that series, which I think will... Give her some vindication after not being able to race in Tokyo um but yeah it's yeah I think it's probably one of, our, one of our more boring grand final years but and I honestly couldn't even tell you in the men's who's kind of in the running to take it I think that it's pretty wide open with um like a Yi and a Morgan are probably not in there after just kind of having a big first half in Olympics um and people who maybe missed out on having a big Olympics might be looking to finish up strong. But yeah, they have to so, go quarantine so the, again. Too sorry to interrupt you. I, and I, I
4: don't. I don't think Morgan Pearson's racing. He's uh, taking a break, uh, spending time with his family. So he he won't be towing the start line. But I think it really comes down to uh, Yi versus Blumenfeld. I mean, will we see Yi take down Blumenfeld
0: or
3: is Yee racing? Uh,
4: the, yeah, yeah,
0: I would say so. Yeah, I yeah, I know so. yeah, yeah. He's down. He? He's leading by fifty points in the rankings. So, so he would have to beat Christian.
1: Hey yeah, guys, he would have to beat him. Can I ask you? Is Beth Potter racing?
3: Oh yeah, you want to hear what happened?
0: She is. I She's absolutely
1: want you to tell me what happened because I know what happened, and I want our listeners to get to hear what happened. Chelsea.
3: All right, listeners, um, turn up your volume here fresh in from uh, one of our other British correspondents that isn't Mark. She's actually a female with an Olympic medal. But she told me that Beth Potter got to the airport to fly to Montreal and was denied boarding for visa entries because she accidentally checked the box that she is indeed a criminal. So um, they turned her away because Canada doesn't enjoy criminals entering from the UK. I think the UK criminals are... uh, a tough bunch. So she was able to get st- supposed to
0: go to Australia, is what
1: I heard. I I had actually heard that she had boarded the plane and she got off. She got escorted off the plane. Um, oh, that which, might have been right. Or which is even better. The,
3: yeah, that is even better. Um, but it did take more than a few days to prove, get the documentation to prove she wasn't a criminal, um, to get herself to Edmonton. But I did hear she's in Edmonton, so um yeah no handcuffs or anything
1: oh is it fair to say Beth's quite a fiery individual I imagine she took the news at the airport in particularly fiery fashion so it to me it really tickled me when I heard it happened to be honest unfortunate for her and Dude I hope she's a great be race a fly
0: on the wall <laughs> be on a fly on the wall for that one
3: so something that is actually pretty interesting too I know I don't know how much we talked about the quarantine that they had to face at both of these canadian world series races but when they arrived in montreal they actually had to spend three and a half days literally not allowed to leave the room like meals in the room only riding the bike trainer in the room um before they got out for like a day to train before the race and they are all taking a chartered flight tomorrow to edmonton and they will then have to quarantine again for one day um if they race Montreal, if they're coming directly to Edmonton, they have to do the three-day quarantine. So, Canada is being quite hard on um, keeping the triathlon COVID out of their country.
0: What do you guys? How do you guys feel about them going back to a single-day championship rather than these points ranking system, Chelsea? I
3: I like the series. I think it. I don't know. It just adds to the excitement.
1: And I think it,
3: yeah, it makes it it gives you incentive to try and hit those races. It makes a consistent athlete definitely rise to the top. And I think being able to perform over a eight six eight month period is I don't know pretty cool. Pat, yes.
0: Or Pat, go ahead.
2: Kyle, it should be easy for you. What's your favorite sport to watch? Football. Formula One. Right same this is the same, besides that <laughs> besides oklahoma okay. football so it's the same that's right it's the same format as that i think um i do think it's the right call that uh that world triathlon has the has the format the across what's been anywhere from six to nine races throughout the year and uh, you know you keep anywhere from four to five plus the grand final um I'm, and i think that's become uniquely uh olympic distance triathlon in the draft legal space so as they add these shorter distances, I think they will continue to evolve what it looks like to win a world championship. And I think that's something that's um, uniquely draft legal.
3: Another thing, before,
4: before we I'll go for it, Chelsea. I was going
3: to say another thing for all our devout American listeners is we could only have one U.S. male in the grand final. Um, I think we saw Kevin McDowell with a potential injury. I talked to him yesterday after he dismounted the bike in that final round. But he's waiting to see if he thinks he's going to be okay to race, but it could potentially be only Seth Ryder. So you're seeing guys like Morgan and Matt who were uh, yeah, just deciding not to race that. So I think that that's just kind of a an interesting indication of how the grand final is treated in an Olympic year where... There is so much build to this one race that it is really hard to bounce back.
2: It it is um it is interesting too though you know uh, Gwen did a Olympic a grand final in an Olympic year in twenty twelve, and I believe the entire Olympic podium was absent from the race and I she was second on the day but because the points are weighted so heavily, I think she went from like twenty sixth to ninth in the series in one race. So it is. Uh, for the end of season bonus, which I know we've got written in here, um, it can the pendulum can swing quite a bit on the on the grand final.
0: So the point system did change a lot from the race this weekend. Seven out of the top ten men all changed positions, and then nine out of the top ten f- females all switched positions. So and the racing this weekend will be pretty intense.
3: I think people would like to hear. Like I don't think people often realize how much money you do get from that series. Yes.
1: Before we read those out, though, I know we've got a lot of Ironman and long-distance athletes, professionals that listen to this. So guys and girls that are listening, cover your ears before we talk about the amount of money that your ITU accounts there is is a
0: discrepancy on that. (laughs) There's a discrepancy on that for a reason. Because I think it's harder to be successful at draft legal racing and the amount of athletes that race draft legal versus Ironman athletes.
3: And I think it's harder to get sponsorships as a draft legal compared to an Ironman athlete.
0: I'm only joking.
3: Okay. So, you guys can kind of uncover your ears a little Sorry bit. Sorry for
4: taking you so serious, Mark. Uh, first place is 80,000. Second place, 55,000. Third place, 37,000. Fourth place, 25,000. And fifth place, nineteen. And it goes down from
0: there.
3: And this but is that's the just bonus. for the
0: end of series bonus.
4: So, yeah.
3: if you uh, win every race, you get 20K each race.
0: So, say Flora wins this weekend, the grand final, and wins the. Uh, rankings she'll get over 110 grand from this weekend
4: here hold on pat how much is in gwen's bank account <laughs> No, you gotta go <laughs> back and say
2: you gotta you'd have to you'd ask
4: for ask
2: from the year where she had a perfect score
4: <laughs> okay well then hey tell how many world titles does gwen have not uh, two and then flora has one correct or does she have no, two two so she'll pass, if she wins the grand final, she will pass Gwen in world titles.
2: Well, yeah, but Emma Snowsill was already Emma Snowsill has three, Yeah, so uh, so, so, so Emma Emma Snowsill and Flora Duffy share something. Um well Emma's got three world championships, Flora will presumably have a third here, and then they've e- they each are Olympic champions and then they each are com games champions. So I think that's pretty darn cool. Um you know, kind of the collection of cool things that you can win. So, and also, just for uh, our, other, Emma, our newer but listeners,
1: but, most people won't remember this that listen to us. Emma Snowsill is married to Jan Perdino at the moment as well. Yeah, just so, uh, like, to give us the like, context to people that don't realize this.
2: They're like, who's Emma Snowsill?
4: Yeah. So
3: she's a hus- got a husband champion too.
1: So Emma, if you're listening
4: to this, unfortunately, Flora will move ahead of you with her 70.3 world title this year as well.
3: And Flora's got, like, 18 Xterra world titles, too.
1: Jeez Louise.
4: All right, let's move into the hot takes.
1: Mark. So I put this on because I wanted to cover this in the results, but I basically forgot to edit. This weekend was Ember Man, which... For the die-hard triathlon fan, it's like a mecca-style race in France. It goes over the Col de Izzard, which is the, one of the highest passes in the Tour de France. It is some of the biggest names in the sport of tackled Man, And really impressively, this weekend, the long-standing course record on the bike and the overall race fell to a young French-British lad called Leon Chevalier, who you might remember finished second in Ironman UK, and he's been on the up on the circuits from some of the PTO races. He absolutely destroyed the Emberman course record, which for a young lad like him, 24, I mean, he was, I saw him at the start of the year broke. I mean, not a penny to his name, sharing a house with George Goodwin, no coach, nothing. And uh, in the last few months, he's just completely destroying the scene. So I wanted to say, Carrie Lester won the women's race by the way, didn't take the course record, which is why I'm hyping Leon. Just a massive congratulations to Leon Chevalier in one of the Europe's biggest long distance trials So kudos bro.
0: So you mean to say there's another course record that was broken?
1: Yeah, but this is like this is they are retentive about making this the same course every year. It's got prestigious passes in it. It's um he just destroyed the bike. Timing climbing times were incredible.
4: Okay, let's let's dive into some Collins Cup drama. Uh, Jeannie Seymour, as of right now, from the latest we've heard, she's not going to be able to race. So we don't know who is going to replace her slot at the Collins Cup. Maybe we can get some more uh, information. Uh, we'll reach out and try to get that. Uh, another athlete that is not going to take her slot is Heather Jackson for Team USA. Uh, I, I spoke with Heather, there was some like drama that went around that she was protesting against the PTO and um, the Collins Cup ranking system, and that's why she wasn't taking her slot. And I chatted with Heather and completely uh, turned that down. That's not the reason at all. Heather is extremely close with her family. Uh, she actually lost their grandfather uh, this last year, um, and so uh, her sister and her brother will are all doing their, uh, I, I believe, first triathlon this weekend at Timberman. Um, and so this is they're kind of doing like a celebration of life uh, ceremony, and then they're all going to do that race together. So she'll be going to Timberman, doing her. Uh, race with her siblings and uh, enjoying and celebrating her uh, grandfather's life. So, Which leaves us to the next question. Who will take her slot? From what we heard, Lindsey Corbin was offered it uh, and then had turned it down. Um, So We don't know who will take Heather's slot. Uh, There was a joke that someone had said earlier that there is a very good professional triathlete that lives in Boulder that recently got her U.S. citizenship, Miranda (laughs) Carfrey. So a lot of people said that Myrna Carfrey needs to go to the Collins Cup and help out Team USA. But yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure what they're going to do, whether they're going to have Jocelyn McCauley. If she'll bounce over there since she's in Finland in two weeks. But yeah, it'll, it'll be pretty interesting so to see. So
1: what, what I find confusing about this is it, it shouldn't even be up for question who gets the slot. Heather Jackson was an automatic qualifier from the USA. So the fact she turns down her slot as an automatic qualifier, it doesn't become a captain's pick. It should just be Sophie Watts, presumably next, is the fourth. She was the first one to miss out. So it should then be injured. I mean, injured. So then she it, just had surgery. So then it's Lindsay Corbyn. And if it's not her, it's and then she a, turned it down. Alyssa Doha.
4: Alyssa Doha. And
1: then it just goes yeah. down like that until they select. You, it doesn't matter that it gets to an awkward point where they're not very good or whatever. Because you've still got Merind- you've still got Meredith Kessler down there, you've got Leslie Smith. Sarah Pian is desperate to go. It should just go down that yeah. list. You can't make up rules to get a decent name there. Um, and,
4: and, and and I could be wrong. Maybe they're not just saying that. Or maybe I mean I'm not saying they're gonna select Miranda. Maybe they are going down the list. I just heard that Lindsay Corbin had turned it down got it. next. Got it, got it. So we uh I guess we'll we will have to wait and see. And I don't know even know where Miranda Carfrey would be at on there if she even was the race for America, which doubt she would.
0: I don't think she's raced in two years. Since Kona.
4: Yeah, Pat? Yeah, so she's
1: she's gonna
2: if you're if you're one of the lower ranked athletes and you're not going to get paid presumably a ton of money to go there, do you do you have to book your own travel? Like, so is that coming out of what they're paying you? So, like for yeah, you know, I know. Like, I think about for Heather, right, to get from Bend, Oregon to Slovakia, it's a it's a day plus. Like, it's just inconvenient and expensive. So Heather you,
4: would put a lot of money in her pocket if she raced.
2: Uh, well but relative to relative no, it, to future perform against future no, performance
1: it's, it's, it's so it's basically done on the as 18th there's 18 athletes ranked and it is you're done so whoever gets the slot now will essentially be the 18th ranked pto athlete currently so um it just goes down so uh, daniela rice number one ranked in the world she's getting 90 grand um emma Pallant jumped up to like 7th in the world so she's going to get 45 grand so down in where Heather Jackson is, it's like 23, 22, 21, 20 grand. It's actually, which sounds like a lot of money to our listeners, but you gotta pay tax on that, straight out, you're paying tax on that. You're paying flights to Europe if you're Heather Jackson. You have gotta be there the Monday before. Everything's comped once you're there, but that, te- that 20 grand turns into like suddenly a $7,000 payday for two weeks of work, which on a good, on being generous, you know, once you pay tax on all that, it's not a lot of money. Um, I'd take
3: seven grand. grand for two weeks.
2: Well, yeah, but again, again, it's against. You also have to think about it's against future performance too. Yeah. So you've got to do a half Ironman if you're, and if you're trying to really put all your eggs into the seventy point three or Ironman basket, you you are pulling something out of it.
1: Or you it. just like Heather Jackson's done, stay in the USA, race a local race with your family, take the paycheck for that, and be done with it. I mean,
4: there, there, I will say. That there is um, twenty-five thousand dollars is the total prize money for uh, for Timberman, which that breakdown would be four thousand for the winner. So, but but it wasn't a money issue for for Heather, it, just like what you said, it was. So yeah, but yeah, it does. Yeah, but
2: it does go back to a little bit of from the world that I'm in, no brands or sponsors are saying how important it is for an athlete to do Collins Cup. And winning Timberman may have more value here in the States for a brand and a sponsor than participating in the Collins Cup would.
1: This year, of course, the PTO's ambition is to make the Collins Cup a thing where sponsors will suddenly be like, we'll add this to your bonus structure and all sorts. That's their vision of the future. And it might very well come to that if the media is excellent, but you're right that this year. It's not. No one's got it written in the contract, have they? This year, like,
0: no. and and rotating locations, right? So the U.S. athletes don't always fly to Europe for this race. Collins
3: um, Cup Bend, Oregon,
0: 2022. It's
4: possible. <laughs> uh, a, a hot take that I have that I didn't write down was: Is it time that we finally see an Ironman broadcast with? a WTS on the same weekend. I feel that if you did an Ironman broadcast, the bike takes four hours. If the World Triathlon Series did two sprint triathlons, that's going to take around three hours. So the Ironman athletes could start the bike in the middle of it. You could literally do two triathlon World Series sprint distance races, male and female, and then have them come off the bike. When, when will we ever no, see that? Be, and when will we, if you ever thought
2: you're you're close there, Talbot? But what it really should be is some sort of festival weekend. So I think of like, I'll go back to the days of like when Wildflower was possible, right? And on Saturday there could be the ITU race, and on Sunday there could be a Wildflower style race, and and I think something like that, and uh, as part of a weekend festival, um, you know. Or I'll say, always think the other interesting one, right, would be. Take USAT age group nationals and that same weekend do a WTS. Those are the kinds of combos I think are a little
1: bit more realistic. I loved your idea though, Talbot, because it would mean I don't have to listen to the Ironman commentary when they're on the bike because I don't really mind the swim (laughs) and I don't really mind the run. But when they get on the bike, it's just like, it's just utter nonsense of just this speculation. And it's guys that are legends of our sport that raced in the mid 90s talking about the technology and they, they heard a click today on Patrick Nielsen's bike and one of them said, oh, that could be a stiff link. And then they went down a 10 minute rabbit hole of how this was definitely a stiff link. And this probably happened because he probably changed his chain in a week before the race. And that's why he's got a stiff link. And, and then age groupers, that's why you shouldn't change equipment the week before a race. Yeah. What? Anyway, so please Talbot, I, I love your idea. I, I'd love to listen to Heather. Um, some of the commentary this weekend on the World Triathlon, that was great. It was like genuinely good tr- commentators. Loved it.
3: We didn't talk about the relay. Was it?
0: Ah, oh, It's okay. It
3: wasn't that great. I guess. It was like
0: trying to pull teeth to get Talbot to watch it with me.
3: Okay. Well, can we talk uh, about? I'm proud of everyone here. Yeah, raced. I was proud of Chase McQueen. Yes. Pat?
0: Go ahead, Pat. That's
2: Hel- you, Helen Jenkins. Um, amazing. She needs, to be a vo- she needs to be a voice that stays on the broadcast. So, hats off to World Triathlon. Um, pay her whatever she needs to get paid to keep doing that job. Um, I thought her and Trevor were fantastic.
1: So amazing, Pat. Couldn't agree more. Actual, genuine insight articulated perfectly. Keep Heather Helen Jenkins on that show, definitely.
4: But. but- before we before we move on to our final one, uh, Mark, I think you had the PTO rankings up. Did you see where Chelsea was at on there? Because, I mean, how long until Chelsea gets a call to head to the Collins Cup? Do you know?
1: I've I've, I've run out of battery on my phone scrolling down far enough. I'm afraid, <laughs> but um, it would be a people's pick. That's for sure.
3: Yeah, people's pick. Put the captains <laughs> the aside. People's the pick.
2: people's pick. Uh, <laughs> Talbot, I wanna know what you're most looking forward to this week in Copenhagen and, and knocking a new country off the list for you.
4: Well look, I I I love Lionel. We're gonna have a great time, we're gonna do a race week series and all that, but I just spoke with Chelsea when you walked away in the middle of the podcast And she has a list of things for me to do in Copenhagen that she's been working on. She spent quite some time there. And that is what I'm most looking forward to. Can I just add
3: one little thing? So they're actually the Danish. I think they're the second tallest people in the world behind the Dutch. So just mm. have that in mind, Talbot. You probably may be falling below average. He's going like,
2: to with his camera like
0: this.
4: I already do. So it's
0: all Tal- good. Talbot identifies as six foot tall, so it's okay.
1: So, so Christian Hogenhauer listens to this show. The guy that came second today, bike weapon, he's Danish. He'll take you around Talbot, but they're basically their cuisine. And this is an English person knocking someone's cuisine. So take this with a pinch of salt. They just eat everything on small bits of bread. It's just like random bits of fish on small bits of bread. That's Danish food.
3: Lots of herring.
0: Well,
4: that that's the only problem. That's Pat to answer your question. That's the only thing I'm not looking forward to. I am an American. I am used to fat foods, large portions extremely unhealthy stuff like Chick-fil-A and that is where I struggle in Europe is their food is way too healthy for me <laughs> and my kind and my type and my body type. So Imagine you've got a that's you've got a wedding
2: coming up so this to. is a this is a jump start to that.
3: Imagine the culture shock flying from Oklahoma to socialist Denmark.
0: It's gonna be insane. The best thing is when Talbot, comes up. Talbot came from home from the uh, tribe battle and he goes, bro, I gotta go eat a burger. Let's go. And the poor guy's lost 15 pounds since he's been gone. Okay, before, before we end the show, uh,
4: we just want to thank everyone so much for listening. Not only that, we complain a lot on here about the motorcycles and the cones. And we want to let everyone know we're not just here complaining about it. Our goal as the show is to try to take action. I uh, recently, this last week, uh, had a chat with Jimmy Riccatello, also the head motorcycle official, and uh, I plan to work with them in some type of way that we can help make a motorcycle video for the motorcycle drivers in the Ironman distance. In North America, maybe it can become global, that they are able to watch before every race. Um, and I think that as we continue to raise awareness on the Cone situation, as far as with Pat, uh, whether it's prize money, no matter what it is, uh, we, we, we don't want to just get on here and complain about it. Our goal is to raise awareness for professional triathlon. That's why we made this show, and so that's what we plan to do. So we will keep you guys updated on kind of uh, maybe if Pat can get on the phone with uh, Chris Gimmel uh, here soon and just chat about it and just kind of hear his thoughts. Uh, maybe we could get that ready for the, the next season and uh, I will give you guys an update on, on the motorcyclist in races in North America working with the head, uh, North American official, Jimmy Riccatello. So I uh, just wanted to inform you, we're not just sitting back here, armchair quarterbacks. Uh, well, I am. I don't know what everyone else is more professional than I am. So uh, other than that, thank you so much for listening this week. Please, please uh, share this podcast with your friends. If you listen to it on long runs, share it with your friends if you're a professional athlete. We'd love shout outs. We do all this for the Instagram clout and the downloads. So make sure uh, you listen and tune in next week.